0: We need to be wary all the time now, but it's just becoming a lot easier now to scam. We can make a scam much more realistic.
1: Hi and welcome to episode seven of AI and you with David George, the podcast all about artificial intelligence, AI. Uh, This week. We're going to be looking at threats posed by generative AI disinformation. Hello, David. How are you at the moment? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. Excellent. Um, A bit of a cold this morning, but well, that's the way the world goes. Unfortunately, you can't solve that with uh, generative AI, can you?
0: No, we can't. No. Well, we could, you know, try and flood the internet with disinformation, you know, telling everybody it's not
1: cold; it's actually warm. On that subject. Misinformation and disinformation. Can you tell me what the difference is between the two?
0: Yeah, there are. There actually, even though the terms are used interchangeably, there is an interesting uh, difference between the two. In the misinformation, whilst it can be intentional, is often um, accidental. You know, there's no harm meant by the actual production of misinformation as such. However, disinformation is motivated by a deliberate um, agenda to um, deceive and manipulate.
1: So it's the difference between, uh, I think you've talked about it before, where that if um, generative AI can't find an answer to something that's in the prompt that you've done, it will make something up or it will pull on another source and it's not necessarily give you the, uh, the information you want.
0: Yeah, that will be an example of misinformation because there's no deliberate attempt to deceive in the output that's been generated.
1: So you called this hallucinations before, didn't you? That's
0: hallucinations in in the context of um, generative AI.
1: I've come across this situation myself because I've put things into uh, generative AI software. And it's actually come out with a really good first draft of something that I wanted, but there's little bits of information there that are wrong. It's made up surnames or it's made up other little bits and pieces. So what I find is that when I use it, I tend to use it as a first draft, and then you've got to go in there and do a bit of editing and uh, make sure that the uh, information you're given is correct. Absolutely.
0: We can't stress that situation um, strongly enough. It's um, use it as an assistant, use it as a helper, Use it to generate in the context of content, use it to generate the first draft, and then you apply your know-how and expertise and knowledge of what you were ideally wanting to, to produce to finish it off
1: yeah it was always introduced to me as something that when, as i said you'll create a first draft and then you can work on it from there
0: yeah we've said that in i think in every one of our podcasts so far
1: and the other thing is not to be scared of it it is there and it's a really good tool it can save you a lot of time and get you over a creative hump for the want of a better phrase it's just that you've got to be very careful not to just accept what it says blindly and make sure that you know it's saying the right things and what you want it to say
0: yeah absolutely i mean A lot of us that are in micro-sized businesses and small businesses, with our, you know, trying to, trying to get our entrepreneurial spirit to pay dividends for us, we're, you know, we're we're busy focusing on on our product or service development, and um, we're not necessarily experts in 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 the marketing space, for example, where content is, is critical to get the messaging out for, for your product or your service. So we sit there looking at a blank piece of paper for ages and ages. And um, you know, generative AI can definitely help us in that
1: area. So looking at disinformation, where are we most likely to come across this? And where would we need to be more wary?
0: Well, I'll answer the second part first. We need to be wary all the time now. I mean, you know, scams, for example, have been around, you know, for, <laughs> for many, 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 many years, but it's just becoming a lot easier now to scam. We can make a scam much more realistic. I mean, with the ability of using generative AI to generate voices that sound like well-known people, to create images that look like people that we know or, uh, or would like to like to know, and generating content that's believable. It's just becoming so much easier for people that have an intention to deceive, to actually end up deceive people.
1: I have seen a video that was doing the rounds of a certain Hollywood actor who was saying that he is not advertising something that a video is claiming he is advertising. And it's an AI generated advert where it's his voice and his image. And you know, and he looks like he's talking and endorsing a particular product, but he has gone out of his way to say, this is not me. This has been generated artificially, and I don't endorse the particular product. I think this is one of the things that, that we're going to have a lot more of in the future.
0: Well, it's exploding. I mean, there was an article on the BBC News this morning about problems that the banking industry are facing. Uh, And they've got to try to put the protections in to protect their clients.
1: Well, it's a constant security update, isn't it? I think with all these things, it's just to try and stop this happening. Explain to me and anybody else who's not too sure, what actually is disinformation? Uh, You you say it's purposely generated information, but please explain a bit more. And how does AI expand that and make it more of a problem than uh, if it's just human generated?
0: One of the biggest areas um, I feel where disinformation, maliciously generated um, disinformation, is going to have a profound effect is in the political arena. We've, we had a couple of years ago, the instance in the American, in few, four years ago in the American elections that uh, there had been serious interference in the political process. Now with, genera- with generative AI, that misinformation, that which turns into disinformation because there's there's ill intent behind behind the actions, can just generate these deep fake photographs, images can add uh, realistic voiceovers to them, can generate content, you know that is just totally misleading, um, and we're already starting to see it in the build up to the American elections and we're going to see a lot of it in the
1: UK with the UK elections next year. So it's very different from the bot warehouses that we had in the last US election, you know, where there were places somewhere in the world which were creating tweets which would give out disinformation basically and right. would tweet that out. This no. is different. This is this is AI generated. It, this is it, all
0: AI generated. Historically it's been generated by humans. And the bots have been used to actually do massive amounts of postings. Um, so that's where the bot aspect came into it. Now we're getting bots to do the generation as well.
1: Is it possible that you can do just disinformation by accident? Can you put information out there that you've not fact-checked properly and then you know the AI will multiply it up?
0: Yes, by accident that can happen. And that's typically classed as misinformation because there was no deliberate intent to deceive but yes, that that's that happens all the time. I mean, that's that's something that uh, that we're already used to seeing seeing a lot of.
1: What about in business?
0: Well, in business, one of the biggest risk areas that's 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 come to light is um, with respect to disinformation. Is if you fire somebody and they and they're aggrieved about that, they may on social media post content that's um, that's actually you know completely untrue. And that content is, is just designed to provide a headache to the business concerned. And, you know, that's malicious misinformation that is disinformation.
1: And I suppose the problem is that that then is on the internet and then AI will draw from that, that piece of information that is not necessarily true to answer questions and to uh, respond to prompts it's given about that company or that individual.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, the problem, the big issue that we have about misinformation, which can and usually is um, accidental because there's, there's no ill intent um, ascribed to it, is how do we find it? Now, some are pretty obvious. You know, the, the photos that, that went viral of, of the Pope wearing a big puffer jacket. <laughs> Others of ex-president Donald Trump on the steps of Congress being attacked by people with Democratic badges, you know, on their jackets. and <laughs> Some of them are fairly obvious um, attempts at disinformation, but a lot of people may have actually been deceived by that style of imagery. And there's just going to be a lot more of it that's coming across as being very, very real.
1: In the past, obviously, we've had things like Photoshop, which uh, people saw oh, that's been Photoshopped into the picture where a slogan maybe changed on a banner or has a different flag. Generative AI can make this much more prevalent and I assume much more uh, real-looking.
0: Well, everything is becoming content-realistic and photo-realistic now, and now audio-realistic. It wasn't so long ago when you could recognize AI-generated voice. You know, because it sounded a little bit tinny and a little bit fake, but it, now it's actually also very, very realistic. And so, you know, if somebody generates a, a video of a political campaigner, for for example, making comments that are untrue about the opposition party, it's going to be very, very hard to actually know whether that individual did make those comments um, uh, or didn't, because we still haven't found a way of fingerprinting or watermarking um, AI-generated content.
1: So one of the problems is differentiating between disinformation, misinformation, and actual proper generated information.
0: And the truth, yes. I mean, people now are talking about truth-free zones because, you know, we don't actually know now what to believe, and that's causing major, major issues for for genuine media.
1: Yeah, I would like to point out that me and David are actually both here, and we're not... Uh, AI generated. <laughs> we really, really do exist. Yes. Yeah, uh, they're talking about that post-truth world. I think was one of the one of the phrases that use. yes. was used. How is this different from the media making stuff up anyway? And, and I'm not saying the media do make stuff up, but uh, I think it probably happens. Allegedly, how does this differ? Do you think?
0: Well, there's quite a lot of speculation that takes place, isn't there, in some other in some other media to try to generate some conversation about a particular topic. But that's usually or had been historically written by humans and there isn't so much of it. I mean, the speed with which with misleading and, dis- and deceptive um, information can be produced is the critical factor now. There's just the opportunity to generate it so quickly now and because it is so realistic, there's so much of it you know, our ability to discern is becoming um, uh, limited now.
1: One of the things that you've talked about in the companion article for this podcast is deep fake. Now, explain to us what you mean by deep fake.
0: Well, deep fake is a term that was used originally and very specifically for imagery. Deep fake imagery, you know, generating the images of the Pope wearing a, a white puffer jacket, for example.
1: So looking at our everyday lives, one of the things that you've talked about is is in the online retail world and how this could be quite a, a problem, with this disinformation in the online retail world.
0: There are a number of opportunities to apply disinformation in with respect to online shopping. Deceptive advertising. You know, I mean, generative AI can be used to create highly convincing tailored ad- advertisements that may deceive uh, consumers. They can be customised you know to try to focus on a on a particular demographic making them more likely to making people in that demographic to engage with the content um deceptive advertising can involve false claims misleading information and even the creation of entirely fake products or or services you know that that will form the foundation for a money making scam yeah you know, with respect to online purchasing as such Many of us, in, especially in the online, um, when shopping online rather than in store, we will, we will look at um, product reviews that have been uh, submitted by people that, um, in theory at least, have, have actually purchased the product and are writing a review. We want to read about what people think of the product that we're thinking of, of purchasing. With the speed with which um, generative AI can produce fake reviews that could artificially boost the reputation of lower quality products, for example, or even harm the reputation of genuine ones is a big issue that will have to be addressed at some time. You know, scammers can use Gen AI to create uh, counterfeit product listings or websites that appear legitimate making it difficult for us to distinguish between genuine and fraudulent sellers.
1: And the thing is with with AI it, it can make this so much easier and so much quicker to do in bulk as well. Well that's the thing it's the
0: volume that that can be produced. We're not relying now on 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 a human being, you know, that's that might take them 15 or 20 minutes uh, to write each review, you know, even longer probably. Hundreds could be produced in seconds.
1: And it is about the volume ultimately. And yeah, it is yeah. about the volume. Yes so you can ruin someone's reputation basically in a 10 minute
0: 10 minutes could could actually cause if not a complete ruination of a reputation of a product or or of a particular brand or product within a brand it can certainly do decrease its sales
1: it never ceases to amaze me you know i've used ai for various things in my work it never ceases to amaze me how quickly it will create something and I suppose this this is the problem. In what other areas do we need to be looking about uh, or checking our disinformation from the uh, from the generative AI world?
0: Um, I just want to make a just a quick comment before we move on to, on to that, if that's okay, Mark. It's that um, this issue of disinformation is not, as opposed to misinformation, is not a product of the of the technology itself. It's the way it's being used by people who have a malicious in, intent to actually use it.
1: Yeah, because we we've pointed out a number of times that you know there's nothing to be scared of. It's just that if it makes it easier to do your job, it will make it easier for someone to do something uh, malicious.
0: Yeah, I mean, other areas where it's going to be where it will be used is in in obviously with respect to politics again, disinformation campaigns. You know, I mean, whole the strategy of a whole campaign can in fact be based on the production of of, of disinformation. You know, the campaign planners, well, this is the messaging we want to get across. We want to hurt, you know, a political opponent's reputation. So these are the messages we're going to get out. Now let's just generate all the content, which could be text now, uh, video and, and voice as well to actually to do some purposeful harm.
1: So a campaign that in the past could have taken months to plan can now be done in days, if not hours. The
0: campaign planning will take place as per usual, but the content to drive that campaign is now being automatically generated uh, very quickly and very effectively.
1: I know that something that, again, I've done, I've I've played around with this a lot since I've been talking to David about these. I've played around with the generative AI systems quite a lot. And um, you know you can put a whole load of information in there. So you could you could put in a an article from a newspaper and then get it to generate a, a summary of that. In the same way that you could write a you know a defamatory article about a political opponent or anything at all, put it into generative out, and then it will come out with a load of different versions of the same thing.
0: Yes, one, one of the strengths of the underlying foundation models um, that drive generative AI is something called transfer learning, where you can actually, based on text about something in in one domain, you can feed that information into a generator in a completely different domain and say, please learn what was important about the content in, in this context and apply it now into this context.
1: And do you have an example of where that would be done? Well,
0: yes, uh, I I do. Let's take, for example, let's take a a situation where we want, um, where we've got a a description of a product that we want to get to market. And the description, um, if we take carpentry, it's a description of a chest of drawers, you know, uh, uh, what my mother used to call a Welsh dresser, you know, where you would have it in the dining room and you'd have all of your nice plates and, <laughs> um, displayed on the Welsh dresser. So we've got a, pro- a technical product description of that. And we say to a generative AI tool like ChatGPT, take this product description and please generate some, uh, a marketing post for me um, that I can post on social media that describes my product in, um, in the non-technical terms. And it can do that. And then what we can do is we can say, we can generate a a template model of what that technical description looked like. And we can actually then say, okay, take the structure of this technical description of a Welsh dresser and apply the same thing to generating content for a laptop computer. And it will actually do that because we've done some transfer learning there It's learned about the structure of a technical description for a Welsh dresser, and it's applying the same methodology to a technical description of a completely different product.
1: So it's changing the context, really, of of the description.
0: Yeah, it's applying it in a a completely different context, yes. So we're going from generating uh, text about Welsh dressers using exactly the same template and applying it to generating text for a different product, and that's called transfer learning, and it uh, and it's working quite well.
1: Would you say there are more advantages than disadvantages with generative AI? Do you think it's it's something we we shouldn't be scared of, in the same way that in the past we should really look at fact checking and, and cross checking information that we we take off the internet generally? Is it a worry or is it? it it's definitely
0: a concern. There are definitely benefits of the technology and we mustn't be cowered by the threat of disinformation and misinformation into not trying to use it for everybody's benefit. However, we've got to be very, very concerned about how we use it. And increasingly, as a result of the disinformation that's that's being generated at the moment and which is going to get worse, uh, we have to actually find ways of either being able to differentiate that ourselves, or we need to be putting pressure on on the application on the on the software builders and designers to make sure that we can detect it easily enough, and then we can control it. Because if we can't manage that, we've got no way of controlling it, and there are large, um, big problems looming. Um, the longer that this goes on, because when we get into, you know, to repeat the phrase we used earlier, when we get into truth free zones, you know, where anything goes, you know, where where misinformation is treated as reality, how do we discern the difference? So um, we need to know if something has been generated by AI.
1: We've talked about this before, and I think it's probably relevant in the conversation that we're having now. Is there a way that governments can legislate to minimise the impact of disinformation or even eliminate it altogether?
0: Yes, without doubt. I mean, at the moment in America, and it will soon happen in in the UK um, as a result of the the upcoming conference um, that's been organised by the UK government for international governments to attend. But the the simplest way, I mean, at the moment in, in the States, there's a voluntary code of conduct. Now, it's almost identical to the voluntary code of conduct for misinformation that's been posted on social media these past few years and biased information and harmful information that still gets published on the social media sites. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people will agree that the social media sites haven't done a necessarily a particularly good job in self-regulation. The rules are there. They're very clear. They're very well, uh, very very well defined. But they haven't been properly implemented. Now, there's a, a huge challenge associated with it because the volume is so is so large. But it's even it's even worse now with generative AI because they're being trained on publicly available information that contains for example biases and contains hate speech which is part of their training material and given that their job is to actually generate you know the what's the next like, most likely word following a sequence of words you know it's going to be picking up the good and and the bad so my feeling is is that the first hard and fast rule that needs to be implemented by governments is to put the ability to watermark and fingerprint AI generated content so that it can in fact be identified and not rely simply on the producers of the software to actually automatically generate a bit of text in the top left hand side of the page that says this has been generated by AI because some will do it and but many won't. And it's the bad actors that definitely won't be doing it, and that, of course, you know, brings us onto a subject that we have discussed in the past, and that's the closed source and the open source foundation models, because with closed source foundation models like ChatGPT, for example, and the Microsoft Bing, it's easier to regulate when they go. When these models go open source, they can be used by anyone for anything and they can be trained to do whatever they're told to to do.
1: And of course, the actual chat software or the the open AI software cannot differentiate between opinion or truth or anything else.
0: No, there are guidelines, there there are ground truths, uh, so-called ground truths that have been built into the models as an attempt to stop stop harmful content uh, being generated. And in some cases that does work. But if in the open source version of OpenAI ChatGPT, for example, um, and there are now many, many, many of these models out there, if you can get to the weights in the models and change them, then you can just override all of those ground truths and all of those protections.
1: And what are the ground truths? What sort of thing is a ground truth? Well, it tries to detect hate speech,
0: for example. It it tries to detect bias, you know, be it... uh, Gender bias, uh, for, um, for example, or racial bias—another uh, um, very good example—tries to detect text that as it's being generated. It's applying it's applying another model, <laughs> which is actually saying, "Do I agree with what's being generated?" And um, in some cases, in many cases, in fact, it will come up and and say, "No, I'm not going to continue generating this text because it's it's flouting the ground rules." that we've built in. Well, we discussed briefly things like disinformation campaigns, you know, and forming the basis for financial scams, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also um, information theft, you know, which which will become a big issue as well if if it hasn't already. Fake disinformation can be used to trick individuals or even complete businesses uh, into revealing sensitive information or confidential data, which is then misused uh, upon receipt. I mean, if you can get the financials of a big bank, for example, or or another big large um, industrial conglomerate, some time before they provide guidance to the traders and the hedge funds, you can actually use that information to you know to basically defraud uh, the the business. So you know it's, a, it's just another big area. So uh, so there are many, many, many unfortunately opportunities uh, where where bad actors can benefit from misinformation and disinformation particularly
1: Bringing it around to your product choice master this obviously isn't affected by this disinformation because you are using the genuine descriptions of products to use in the recommender system and it is a closed system am, am i right
0: yes it is a closed system and choice master for example doesn't doesn't scour the internet for content to be used to help it make its recommendation. It bases its recommendations on information directly provided by the user, which will only be fed back to that particular user, and to do with the particular product that the consumer or the shopper is interested in. I do do look at product reviews, um, but I get them from a trusted source where the reviewer is a verified purchaser of that particular product, and so it's not; um, it hasn't been. That the reviews haven't been um, automatically generated by AI.
1: Choice Master is a shopping recommender system that David has uh, developed himself. Uh, if you want more information about that, how would people get in contact with you regarding that?
0: Um, they can get me through. David Choicemaster on LinkedIn, for example, or, or David at ChoiceMaster.org is my email address.
1: Okay, if you want to know more information about that, what would be your takeaway on this episode about disinformation and uh, the AI system? Well, I think in a, in a, in a nutshell,
0: Mark, um, the most challenging aspect that we face with generative AI, which has got lots of positives um, about it and negatives, is its ability to hide in plain sight. You know, it's it's out there. It's being used, and it's flooding the media and the internet with vast amounts of um, deceptive content right now, and that's only going to get worse. So, so whilst it holds um, promise, it also poses fairly unique threats, um, especially in the realm of disinformation. So, you know, we need to address these challenges proactively. Government and other agencies need to implement safeguards um, applying to the builders of these systems um, so that we can harness the benefits um, without without running so many risks you know uh, to do with the negatives
1: I suppose the onus is on us as users of generative AI to be vigilant and to make sure that if we feel that something is not quite what it should be that we should double check it and uh, make sure that the information we're being given is correct
0: yeah there are two sides there as well mark you know on the one side if we're using gen- generative AI, tools to help us improve our own productivity or our own effectiveness in, a, in an area where we're not necessarily an expert. Uh, we need to make sure that we verify everything that is actually being generated before we publish it. And on the other side, you know, information that we're receiving, we've got to just become, it's an extra burden, but we need to be increasingly more vigilant about, um, about trying to find, you know, to test the authenticity of what we're re- receiving.
1: Thank you very much, David. Another fantastic, uh, well, probably a bit over 30 minutes of information about generative AI. Again, let's just go through the ways people can contact you and find out more about what you do.
0: Yes, I can be found on LinkedIn, David George, and uh, in conjunction with Choice Master will find me. Um, and I, can, I respond to any messages that I receive uh, or better still is david at choicemaster.org.
1: Thank you very much for uh, your insight as ever. We will be back in a few weeks' time uh, with more. Do we know what we're talking about next time?
0: I think we might move towards um, recommender systems as a, as a branch of AI and uh, the pros and cons of, of, of recommender systems.
1: And I know this is a subject very close to your heart. Very close. Yes. So we are uh, we're looking forward to that. That'll be the next episode of AI New with uh, David George.
0: Unless, of course, something is, things are changing in the generative AI space so rapidly. We know we don't know what's happening on a week by week basis. So, so let's see what happens. We might uh, we might continue the the podcasts uh, on on generative AI.
1: Yes, more than once we've decided on a, a subject and it's changed almost at the last minute. Okay, then uh, we we'll see you all soon and I hope you have a good couple of weeks
0: goodbye all thank you very much this is a 1386 audio production